our fundamental thesis is uh, we stay away from consumer, you know, consumer internet, classical B2C businesses. If you see my background, all the businesses where I have sort of either ran or, you know, exited myself have been in businesses which are, if you will, on the boring side of the supply chain where it was all about digitizing of existing business processes. And I fundamentally believe that given where India is, the size, scale, the broken supply chains, the fact that there is still lack of transparency in a whole lot of sectors, this whole area of digitization of business processes is going to be massive. And that is a theme which basically runs across both our first fund and second fund. This is Siddhar Talwalia. Welcome to the 100x Entrepreneur Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Prime Venture Partners, an early stage VC fund led by Amit Somani, Shripati Acharya and Sanjay Swami. Prime is often the first institutional investor in category creating tech startups in fintech, SaaS, healthcare and education such as MyGate, Neo and Reco. To know more about Prime, visit primevp.in. Today we have with us Bhaskar Mujamdar, founder and managing partner at Unicorn India Ventures. Bhaskar is a media and technology executive and entrepreneur. In the past decade, Bhaskar has established himself as a well-regarded early stage investor and advisor, especially in UK and in India. He has held senior positions with Times of India, Z Telefilms and Alta Vista UK. In 2000, he started his first entrepreneurial venture, Recreate Solutions, a company within digital media realm and backed by Insight Partners. After scaling, he sold the business to a US systems integrator. He has since been invested in a number of technology and media early stage businesses through his proprietary firm Heath Ventures. An alumni of IIT Kharagpur and an AMP from Harvard, Bhaskar is very active in the angel community network in UK and India. So Bhaskar, uh, this is a summary of your journey. would like to hear from you how these threads connect together in your life to you opening up Unicorn India and the second one is in progress. So uh, Siddharth, uh, thanks for having me on the podcast. Uh, you know, it's if you step back and see, it's more or less everything is linked up. And uh, I was always very, very passionate uh, about technology and media. Uh, Early on, uh, you know, where people from my backgrounds were usually joining banking or joining FMCG, I wanted to join a sunrise industry and I joined media in early 90s, which at that point was literally a sunrise industry. I joined Times of India, had a great stint with them, was a brand manager of Economic Times. Subsequent to that, uh, you know, I joined Z in 96, which started in 94. So it was almost like a startup in those days itself. And again, you know, with them had a number of roles. And finally, I was responsible for the rollout in the international business. So, and then I joined Alta Vista as employee number three in UK as chief operating officer, and then build the whole team of Alta Vista, which at that point in time was a bigger search engine than even Google. Uh, so if you see, although I've been in my corporate life, it has always been in entrepreneurial stints within an, within an enterprise. And that the natural progression of that was to do my own venture. That's when I started to recreate solutions. Uh, 
simple two-line brief, early days of broadband, and my thesis was old legacy content had to be digitized for the broadband. And that premise started the business, scaled it up, sold it uh, to a large uh, US systems integrator. Subsequent to that, took the role of a proprietary investor, investing my own money, uh, you know, some good bets, some not so good bets. And then I started Unicorn uh, India Ventures, the fund. So if you you see, the progress has been a quite natural progress. And yes, Unicorn has been a very good journey for me. And now we are on to our third fund, actually. And uh, can you share, how did you identify your co-founder, Anil Joshi, for Unicorn India? And how did you both team up together? Yeah, it's a, a great question. And uh, recently, uh, I had mentioned uh, somewhere uh, that... Uh, at the end of the day, a uh, fund is nothing. Starting a fund is exactly the same as starting your own startup venture. And one of the biggest uh, challenges in that is to find your co-founder. And most of us, even whether it is in funds or even in startups, make the traditional mistake of you know taking someone as a co-founder who is exactly complementary to you, you know, or someone with whom you can. Uh, sit down and always like to have a drink or a beer. Not that with Anil, I don't like to have that, but you know, we are very different individuals and both in terms of complementarity of skill sets, we complement each other as well as when it comes to, you know, the whole mindsets. So whenever one of us is at a high, he sort of, the other guy sort of brings him down to ground or vice versa. So, you know, complementarity of co-founders is a sense for me, Although I spend substantial time in India and I'm well clued on to the uh, Indian ecosystem, but given the fact that I do spend a lot of time in UK as well, I needed a co-founder who obviously was based in India and who was really from the heart of the ecosystem. And as my background, you've seen, I've been more an entrepreneur scaling up businesses and exiting. So I needed someone who was more an investor in the system. Anil, of course, one of the better known names in the early stage ecosystem, ran Mumbai Angels and went he quit and was looking at what next to do for about a year and a half. I think we would have ideated together and because our investment philosophies matched. So we started Unicorn Ventures and since then it's been a very good ride. So uh, you have some diverse investments which are neo diagnostic startup SASCAN, which is MedTech, blockchain based chit fund platform Chitmonks, and Probus, digitizing power sector. So these are not very popular sectors. How did you were able to identify uh, these rising sectors at the time of investment? And what was your thesis on backing these companies? You know, it's a great question, uh, Siddharth. And one of the things, uh, you know, our fundamental thesis is uh, we stay away from consumer, you know, consumer internet, classical B2C businesses. If you see my background, all the businesses where I have sort of either ran or you know exited myself have been in businesses which are if you will on the boring side of the supply chain where it was all about digitizing of existing business processes and i fundamentally believe that given where india is the size scale the broken supply chains the fact that there is still lack of transparency in a whole lot of sectors this whole area of digitization of business processes is going to be massive and that is a theme which basically runs across both our first fund and second fund. Uh, except for a few, we might have 
taken conscious calls to do otherwise. And with that theme is where we have invested in these three businesses, if you see. You know, if you see, uh, let me take one at a time. If you see the power sector in India, that's one of the uh, areas which is ripe for complete rehaul and digitization. Even today, there is, especially on the distribution side, even today on the distribution side, there is pilferage, there is leakage. And obviously, technology will play a big role in this, whether it is the rollout of smart meters, whether it is the rollout of, uh, you know, uh, technologies like Probus, which is helping to reduce the transmission losses. So with that thesis, we invested in Probus, you know, and they are scaling up very fast, have a whole lot of state electricity boards, as well as private electricity suppliers on their uh, client base and scaling up very fast and coming with newer products for within the, within the transmission and distribution side. Similar logic was with Chitmunks. I think uh, that's a great investment. Uh, the chit fund industry in India has been existing for a very long time, whether we like it or not, you know, chit funds remains one of the best credit sources for below the poverty line or, or not necessarily below the poverty line, even the uh, lower and middle class uh, in various states, especially in South and in Eastern part of India. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the, it has got a bad name associated with it because of the lack of transparency. What happened was in early 2020, uh, the government brought the chit funds under the stipulation of RBI. And there's a clear mandate for RBI as to how chit funds will run, you know, how chit fund reporting will happen. And there's a, a sunset date by which all chit funds have to be electronic. Chitmunks as a company was doing exactly that. They have created a platform through which if you're an old chit fund, you can digitize yourself over a period in time. Or if you're a new chit fund, you can just go on and launch yourself. And again, they are not a chit fund company. They are a platform for chit funds, you know, handling all the compliances, GSTs, making the relevant payments. So that fitted in with perfectly with our thesis. And that's how we invested, you know, and we can see the scale up that's happening in the company. Uh, uh, Saskan, you mentioned, again, you know, that's not within the digitization area, but that's a med tech company, you know, run by very, very senior experienced doctor. Uh, doctor's team. Uh, they are launching various products. Uh, uh, the first product they have is for uh, various cancer-related products. Is for oral cancer. The next one they have is for cervical cervical cancer. And one of the things which not many of us know or doesn't come to the media to that extent is there's a whole bunch of very early medtech companies out of India which in the last two or three years may not have been, most likely have not been VC invested, but have been acquired by the likes of GE Medical uh, and others. So this is a below the radar sector, if you will, which is mushrooming. And, you know, we obviously wanted to play a role in this sector. And you have been early bettors in neo banking, for example, Open and Finan. How did you spot the early trend in neo banking, and how do you identify these companies to back? Uh, let me step back to about 2015. Uh, we invested in uh, in Open Bank. I guess it was in 2017. But as you very well know, Siddharth, uh, uh, London, uh, UK, and especially London, uh, remains the neo banking capital of the world, so to say. Uh, the whole uh, Open Bank architecture has been 
spearheaded out of London. Uh, FCA was the first ones to uh, legislate open banking architecture. And being in London, I had a strong sense as to where the banking industry was going. You know, if I give you my uh, broad thesis, if you see where telecoms have gone and utilities have gone, especially in the West, is today the old utility companies or the old telecom companies are mere service, uh, sorry, are more mere infrastructure providers. It is on top of that, you have various equivalent of MVNOs, the old MVNOs in the telecom industry, who came and started providing consumer facing propositions, you know, different uh, price ranges, different propositions, and the whole telecom industry has been decimated because of that. I saw a similar trend happening over here in the banking, where the traditional banks, be it in UK, in NatWest, Barclays, all they would do was become the infrastructure provider, which in case of banking meant compliance providers, be the depository, the treasurer, all of that. And multitude of front-end applications started to be built around that. So in UK, you had uh, Revolut, you had Sterling Bank, each uh, you had a number of other credit card type of companies, Henry, which was providing credit card for kids. So you, I could see where the space was going. And the moment in India, of course, it was very new. And the moment in India in 2017, we heard about uh, you know the team from Open, a fantastic team, and they were talking about neobanking. So we said, I mean, I, I, I saw where the trend was going and so I said, we must, have a space to play within that and that's how we landed up investing in open very similar with finin as well you know having invested in open and seeing the success in the sme area we were looking at a consumer proposition as well uh, and then when uh, finin came to us we said we'll be an active investor and finin uh, as you well know is the first uh, new bank to be launched in india on the consumer side and and you also mentioned early in the podcast that you have avoided consumer uh, as a fund thesis. Why did you make an exception in this case? It's a great, it's a good one, and we've been asked this by our our LPs as well. Uh, you know, honestly, it is the size of the market and the uh, the kickstart I think that uh, Finin had over some of the others, which made us. Um, you know, deviate from a standard non-consumer type of play. Even in the first, all uh, Finin is from the second fund. Even in our first, first fund, we do have uh, a consumer uh, lending company, SmartCoin, which has done phenomenally well. So it's not that we are apathetic to pure consumers. We have to see a transactional mode rather than, you know, constantly the companies depending merely on, uh, you know, equity funding to scale up. So that's not in our DNA. So I'm sure Finin will be one of the success stories in the consumer we'll have. You also operate a United Kingdom India cross-border fund called Unicorn Ascension Fund, which helps startups in UK enter Indian market. Like any examples from that fund which, which, which are success stories or case studies? There is, uh, so let me tell you uh, the rationale of that fund. Uh, the rationale of that fund was, you know, while in India businesses scale up extremely fast, given the size of the country, given the size of the uh, uh, funding associated for the demographics of the country, the UK startup environment is very, very different. 
uh, in a way, it is an environment where uh, the founders tend to be older founders. They tend to be founders who worked in a particular industry for a long time and then come out with propositions within that industry. And therefore, what happens is these tend to be very deep tech uh, and very uh, uh, resolute type of industries. Let me give you a couple of examples. You know, there are, uh, and UK is known for its med tech. UK is known for, uh, you know, all these things in the e-governance area. So I saw potential where some of these companies, they couldn't scale up because of the size of the market, but some of the technologies they had would do very well in India. So because of that logic and rationale, we created a fund. It is a joint venture fund along with another local uh, fund over here called Accenture Ventures, uh, through which we invest, we have invested till now in about eight odd companies, uh, all of whom have a potential to go to India. One company which is really scaled up in India is a company within the eye care sector. You know, they have, uh, and they typically have a product which is meant for emerging markets, if you will, not meant for UK, US. This is a product where through an iPad, you can uh, sort of do, recreate an optician's clinic through which your whole prescription will be told to you what it is. So this is like a, you know, moving, eye clinic, if you will. This company, we enable them to do a joint venture in India. Uh, and because the joint venture is not yet inked, the, uh, I'll refrain from saying the name, but you know, this company is on the back of this will have immense scale up potential in India. Again, classical company, IP technology held in the UK, you know, rock solid people over there, deep tech, tech guys, but the scale up will happen from Africa, India and places like that. So. That's basically the thesis of the fund. And any case studies where you have helped your portfolio companies from India global? There's a number of companies. There's a number of companies, uh, again, as investors and as early stage investors, uh, you know, we don't want to don the hat of the founders, uh, but we obviously work very, very closely with them uh, when they roll out given the fact that we have a fund in UK and obviously along with that, the whole ecosystem, companies who are looking to come to UK obviously call on us, not only from our fund, but you know, a lot of portfolio companies of our friendly funds as well. And we enable them to uh, come to UK in terms of both the regulatory infrastructure, the usual how to set up the company and all the ilks around that as well as you know, providing them the connects that is needed to make, uh, to give shape to the business in UK. Apart from that, uh, a number of portfolio companies of ours, at least three, you know, we've enabled them to set shop in the US uh, uh, and then do the partnerships over there. Right now, what we are doing in a second fund, uh, very strategically is we are getting two venture partners on board, which we'll announce very shortly, one in UK, uh, one in US and one in Canada. Uh, both of these folks are very senior uh, uh, ex execs. One is an exited exec who sold his business at north of $100 million to a telecom company. Uh, all IIT alumni of mine, and they are coming in as investors in our fund as well as venture partners to enable to scale up our portfolios in those markets. Can, can you tell us about the latest fund of Unicorn? How much it is raised? What's the size? How much it has been closed? And what's the plan so of it? 
Yeah, so our first fund, uh, as you know, which we started in 2016 is a 100 crore fund. We've deployed the entire amount. This is a slightly larger fund. It's 400 crores, uh, of which we've done the, we've announced the first close. I think it was March last year before COVID really took shape in uh, at 90 crores. Subsequent to that, we've not announced any closure, but we've raised about another uh, 150 odd close. So we are close to about 250 crores. We are looking to uh, raise the remaining 150 crore by September, October. Uh, so it will be a 400 crore fund from the second fund. Uh, as you picked up some of the names like Finin and Probus, Saskin, these are all investments from the second fund. We've already invested in six companies. Um, and I guess two of the companies will uh, will go into our prowls before we close our uh, fund itself. Uh, and uh, this fund, uh, unlike the first fund where the entire money, uh, where the entire LP money came from uh, local Indian investors, in this fund, we have a, a feeder structure through which we've raised uh, already a substantial amount of money uh, from overseas. And you will continue to be big on B2B? Yes, our thesis is not going to change. Our thesis is B2B digital platforms, B2B SaaS, uh, you know, Fundamentally, uh, what plays to our core of uh, the digitalization process across various uh, industry sectors. And uh, in one of your posts on social, you mentioned that, you know, a business fail, entrepreneur don't. Vaskar, uh, would you like to invest in entrepreneurs who you bagged earlier, and but they couldn't take off and now they are starting again? It's a very interesting question. Uh, the candid answer is yes, uh, obviously on a case-to-case -case basis. And uh, we have backed a number of entrepreneurs. In fact, one of the themes we have, uh, which again is slightly different uh, from quite a few VCs, and I guess it's a link to the fact that we don't tend to do uh, standard uh, B2C consumer internet is, most of our uh, founders tend to be older founders. You know, the average age of our founder in the first fund when we signed the check was 41 years. And, uh, uh, you know, we tend to back entrepreneurs who have either been second, third time entrepreneurs, who are rather second, third time entrepreneurs, successful or having failed or we tend to back seasoned uh, executives. Exceptions are always there, but that's usually what we go for. So we have a number of entrepreneurs who've tried uh, their hand at one or two ventures before, but have not taken off. And in some cases in our venture has really done well. We in fact, when building the team, love to take on people uh, who have been, who have tried their hand at entrepreneurship succeeded or may not have fully succeeded, but you know, tried their hand and we tried to recruit those people within the team. So our team today is full of people who have had a couple of years stint in their own startup and then joined us. I think that gives them the view. Uh, I think there has been a one case where we have backed an entrepreneur who has not succeeded once the second time over. Uh, and in fact, we have backed recently a company on the basis, well, not on the basis, on the basis of a whole lot of parameters, but one of the driving factors which made me take the decision was he had an uh, 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 angel who had 
committed a substantial money in his first failure or business, which failed and the same angel came again. And the angel in the conversation told me that the failure was because of market and nothing to do with the entrepreneur. And that sort of gave me a huge confidence. So I strongly believe in it that, you know, entrepreneurs, true entrepreneurs don't fail. It's the businesses and the circumstances that lead to failures. And uh, Bhaskar, uh, would you like to share which, which is the largest company in your portfolio by value and the largest company in your portfolio uh, by the revenues? Uh, the largest by value, uh, I think, in our first fund would be uh, Open Bank. Uh, and uh, I think the largest by revenues would be uh, a cybersecurity company we have. Uh, it's a company called Securitech, uh, very seasoned founders, you know, people in their late 40s, early 50s, we back. The main founder uh, or the main technology founder, I must say, was uh, heading uh, Symantec in India, deep domain expertise in cybersecurity, building a fantastic product come services business, already there in the US with marquee names and in India. So yeah, from a revenue perspective, I guess that they would be the largest. And who would be from the second fund? But second fund is still young, but the second fund is just started, and you know, all the companies are at early stage because, as you know, Siddharth, uh, we position ourselves as the uh, first institutional investor, so we go in very early. So, second fund is just started, we are just building the portfolio, uh, and yeah, it's early days. Thank you so much, Bhaskar. It's been a pleasure hosting you on the 100x Entrepreneur podcast. Thank you, Siddharth. Look forward to the success of you guys. I've, I've heard quite a bit about the good work you're doing in the ecosystem. So all the best. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure.